0: Hello Ramblers, Chrissy Houston is back in the game and Gunasaurus is back in his suit. It's Wednesday the 7th of October. I'm Jules Breach.
2: I'm
3: Luke Moore and I'm Vedician Hunter Raja.
0: It's the middle of the week. Us three back together. It's been a while, boys. How are you both? Yeah.
2: Very well, thank you.
0: Pretty yeah. good.
3: Yeah. yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I um, thought it was important to come back on the show as quickly as possible after the slander <laughs> against my name
2: on Monday. What happened?
3: Just Kate Mason said that I'm ducking her. Oh yeah, the weekend's result.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you were. I think. I think um, when you when you when you witness a result like that at the weekend, and then one side of the fence steps up and the other one doesn't questions are going to be asked.
3: I genuinely had friends of mine um, messaged me yesterday morning saying, Vish, is everything all right? I heard you weren't on the ramble. As if I'd pulled out last <laughs> minute. Well,
2: you did leave the WhatsApp group well I temporarily. mean temporarily
0: <laughs> that was a great move by the way
3: you know, you've got to do what you've got to do people you know Kate Mason was saying I was ducking her you know I just had other things to do yeah. I mean like we're probably on again soon together when is she next on I'm not sure uh, tomorrow I uh, know fro- uh, next week uh, next, next week, week. Tomorrow, oh, yeah. she, next I am week. busy all of that. Uh, is that right yeah. one day you one said day to me we'll you couldn't get somewhere. any work yeah, don't do all them out
2: on here
0: <laughs> looking at all the crazy results so far this season United beating Brighton's biggest upset so far
2: also by can I just say, Jules, Like leaving the WhatsApp group and you remain like a fan is not a sustainable strategy because I don't think it's going to get any better, mate. <laughs>
0: Who put him back in it, by the way?
2: Uh, me. I have to. I'm the admin, obviously. Yeah. I get all the admin oh, jobs. I should have
0: left him out for a bit longer. Made him sweat.
2: Like six months? Yeah.
3: Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. By the time I got readmitted... Spurs scored, scored a fourth <laughs> <laughs> and I did think about the fifth maybe I should go now I definitely should have gone after the sixth um, but no, I'm still here I, I'm glad to be here what can yeah. I say we're glad but you're
2: back football moves quick yeah exactly not.
0: well yeah. speaking of that United result it was <laughs> I mean since then there's been so much talk with the transfer window closing with the signings they've brought in Cavani being probably one of the highlights in terms of Did you really need a player like him? There are reports now that Manchester United have made contact with Maurizio Pochettino to become the new manager. What do you make of this, Fish? Do you think there's any truth in it?
2: Um, it definitely wasn't planted by me. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> <But that's>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Like I
2: said, yeah. It's, it's Wednesday now. A few days since Man United. Um, and football moves quickly, so we're going to lead the show today by talking about Man <laughs> <Yeah>. United. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, well, when I went on my um, when I had my little tiff a couple of weeks ago, oh yeah, um, that was you know about um, Solskjaer not being the man for the job. That was with the, uh, I suppose you know something that I said with the idea that there would be people to bring in one of those would be Pochettino the other one being Allegri um and Pochettino has been around for basically ever since he left the Spurs job he's been someone who United have um, been constantly linked with and i think the 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 important thing here is to if we can equate it to what manchester united have done with jaden sancho um the quest for jaden sancho the reason it there was so much put on it is because this is the best shot united have of getting jaden sancho because when it comes to the Next time around, and you know the end of next the end of this season, more teams are going to be in for him. but this was united 's chance to really go in, um, and his
0: price will only go up
3: yeah, exactly, and that was kind of the same thing with Pochettino because a lot of other clubs were pretty settled in a way, especially when Chelsea nailed their colors to the mask with lampard, and there is a, a bit of a fear now I, i'm i 'm gauging that. You know, when enough of the season goes through and enough teams start looking at their own house, suddenly totally there might be some other vacancies
2: that Pochettino might want to take. Yeah, and and uh, the, the, the problem the problem in opposition... I, I think there's two issues at Man United that you can broadly um, kind of section off. One, one is that the hierarchy is, is a mess, right? And so we, we know about the, the fact that there's no real um, sporting director there to speak of of any kind of note. And we know that the the, t- the first team's a mess because... Vish and I would say that, um, that the coach is probably out of his depth, right? So they're the two problems. And when you talk about Solskjaer not being good enough or the players not being coached properly or the performance they put in against Spurs, it is legitimate to say that the coach isn't good enough. It's not an excuse to, for the coach to then say, well, the hierarchy is not good enough either. So for Man United fans, some of whom have got the word Solskjaer in their in their Twitter usernames, um, literally, will say, well, it's not Solskjaer's fault. Well, my answer to that is it is partly Solskjaer's fault because... The, the, the way to look at it, I believe, is that if you're going to stick to this system and the Glazers and the hierarchy at Man United have shown that they don't have any real pressing need to change it by, by by what we've seen so far, right? Um, Then you might as well just go and get the best coach you can. Go and get the best coach you can because if you can persuade a, a top po- coach like Pochettino to, to, to work under those circumstances, then you should actually absolutely do that because that's a massive upgrade on Solskjaer. But the problem is... We, I think Pochettino will have been out of work a year next month.
0: Yeah, November so, he was sacked.
2: Yeah, right, yeah. So he's clearly not gonna. Um, he's not. He's not someone who's jumping into jobs. He, he clearly wants to curate his own career properly. And I think he probably should do that because managers in in, in the modern game um, find it pretty easy to, to fall off the perch and, and never really rated the same way again. Um, and so maybe um, he's not going to be persuaded to work at May United under that. Current environment, which I, I kind of do, I kind of respect to be honest.
3: Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely spot on there because it's not just the case that if if there is a vacancy you offer to Pochettino, he's going to say yes. Um, bear in mind that one of the one of the main issues he had at Spurs and certainly something that drove him to the end of his tether was the inability to refresh their squad and do it effectively. He would have a list of players that he wanted to get and Daniel Levy wouldn't play ball. Um, Conversely, at Manchester United, they identify someone in Sancho, they spend two months, you know, briefing everyone about how they're going to get him and then it's on the last day of the transfer window. Mm. It all comes crashing down. Or rather, they have to kind of admit that they're not getting anywhere and they miss that opportunity. So in that regard, you know, is Pochettino going to look at that and think, well, I mean... Their house is a complete mess above, you know, the manager station.
2: Well, the Would thing- I want to be involved in that? Would well, the only thing going for. Man United is they're Man United, right? So so you, you talk about players like, I mean, even Edison Cavani said it yesterday, didn't he? I mean, you know, the story of his career and the fact that but Man United is a massive thing. If you could, you know, in 15 years' time and you look back on your career, if you can say that you played up front for Manchester United, that is still a thing. If you can say that you managed Man United, that is also still a thing. But to me, at the moment, when taking it in the round, other teams in the Premier League, other teams in Europe who are doing well and who are in better uh, positions than Man United... Um, other than that, there's not really much going for them, you know? So so uh, it's kind of interesting that you would argue that Mauricio Pochettino should go to Manchester United because it's a great opportunity for him to to win trophies, something that's crit- he's been criticised for in the past. But actually, when you dig down a little bit deeper, is that actually the case? I don't, I don't know if it is.
3: I, I don't think... I, I know exactly what you mean about Manchester United still being Manchester United because I remember... Back in you know the 2010s when uh, you know Manchester United was still that Manchester United, mm. and someone made the point that Manchester United as a brand itself will never go bankrupt. A bit like Coca Cola, they'll always have that attraction because right. of the success they have and and because of the I suppose credit in the bank. Uh, quite literally in this case with these owners, um, but I don't think that carries water to the people that matter, to the people that actually want to, the people that you need to I suppose continue that legacy of Manchester United. It doesn't matter to top players. It doesn't matter to top managers either. Mm. And it doesn't actually matter to top administrators. When you think of the, one of United's main issues is that they probably need a director of football, certainly under someone like, over someone like Solskjaer. But they're not in line to get any of the, you know, different. is probably the only person who could come in and do a decent job, but he's not going to want to take that I think, gig.
0: I think the interesting thing with this is that what this transfer window for Manchester United has probably shown is that, in terms of the signings that Manchester United have made, there seems to be a bit of a lack of direction. Because if you're going to be bringing in players like Cavani, it's a short-term solution, isn't it, Vish? This isn't a player who they maybe necessarily should have prioritised. Of course, he's quality and you look at his CV and you know that he's going to do a job and of course he'll get goals. And he is that out-and-out number nine that maybe Manchester United haven't had since Lukaku left. That all makes sense. But in terms of priorities, perhaps it shouldn't have been top of Manchester United's list. And this all kind of feeds into what direction are Manchester United going in? After the this summer window, you can't really see it still. And I think that that seems to be the issue. And where Pochettino then comes into this is I think that what it would do for Manchester United fans, and you could probably tell me better, Vish, but I think that if Pochettino was the manager at Manchester United, perhaps fans would maybe start to believe that there was a certain direction that the team were going in and maybe that would be the start of it. I know he spoke to Melissa Reddy recently on Between the Lines and he spoke very openly about where he wanted that next challenge to be and for him he said he felt that he wanted to work somewhere where he felt personally invested in the club and its people and I think that That almost sounds to me like he wants a project in a way, similarly to what he had with Spurs, where he took them from a certain level and took them a lot higher than maybe people were expecting in in that period of time. And obviously, we all know how it all ended at Tottenham. But I feel like with Manchester United, it does seem like the perfect fit, albeit I'm not really sure what Manchester United fans would prefer right now. Would they prefer Ole to stay and maybe work more on the signings being brought in or would they want a manager change?
3: Well, it's that that age-old conundrum of it's easy to get rid of one man than five players and then bring five players <laughs> in. So if you look at what Pochettino did specifically at Southampton as well when he took them to eighth, I think that's still their highest Premier League finish, isn't it? Um, he raised the game of players who didn't know they could reach that level above, and and that kind of manifested itself in Morgan Schneiderlin moving on and Ward Prowse, I suppose, eventually playing for England and stuff like that. Um, but with with the squad that United have now, there is a lot of talent there. I, you know, I, I don't buy the fact that they're suddenly all NAF players and we've we've got to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, no you know. way. And I think Pochettino is someone who, as you saw also with Spurs, that he came in and he just. It just put a bit of maturity in those players, a bit of discipline as well. I think the, the most disheartening thing about what happened in the second half of that Spurs game, and apologies to listeners who are probably bored of, of uh, hearing about this game, but one of the one of the most jarring things was the lack of discipline. And that kind of manifested itself in the way that Luke Shaw took out, um, I think it was Lucas Moura, wasn't it? Yeah, with it was. that disgraceful tackle. Um, that didn't look like a, a you know players who wanted to not necessarily play for a manager but they weren't fearful of what he might of, of, of any kind of um, you know shouting at or issue that he might have with, with their display and I think Pochettino will bring in that gravitas but then at the same time you know it's not a. it's important to say that this isn't going to suddenly fix all of United's issues from the top down but it will be if, if you know the owners are going to be as they are, then they'll need someone who's a bit stronger beneath them, and that is Pochettino. Look,
2: let's get absolutely right at the top level. When you beat when you're beating six one at home, it's a watershed moment. The same way that Liverpool were beaten heavily by Aston Villa, that's a watershed moment for them. What they're going to do? What they're going to do to arrest the decline in in, in intensity in performances they've experienced since around February time? Now they had the results to get over the line and win the Premier League, but close watchers of Liverpool will know that the intensity has not been as good since around February time. And you know, clearly, you know, COVID has been bit like a fog of war kind of obscuring everyone's kind of critical assessment of things and that's understandable but the same thing happened when Southampton were beaten by less than 9-0 I mean there was a big summit and, and they they made the decisions they made and it looks like they made the right decision the point I'm making is that decisions have to be made when these things happen particularly the manner of the defeat they, they, they suffered at home to, to Tottenham I feel like this Pochettino news it's just part of the dance around the club because they're in a massive moment and the reason in a massive yeah. moment is because they've lost Um, heavily. They've not performed well since the start of this season and they're about to embark upon a very tough period of fixtures where they're not going to really come up for breath until they play West Brom at home towards the end of November. The next six weeks, seven weeks or so, they've got some astonishingly tough games. Mm. We're going to learn a lot about them in a couple of weeks when they go to Newcastle because that could go either way. Uh, and if it goes one way, it's not going to get any easier for Man United fans and for the club for for the foreseeable future. And then they're going to have a really big decision to make because if they get to the Everton game, it's sort of first week in November, away from home, and they lose that, and they've been on a terrible run, which is essentially by then torpedoed their Champions League aspirations because they'll play three Champions League games, I think, mm. as well. Um, they're going to be a big tr- in big, big trouble. So they've got to pick their way through this 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 period really, really carefully. Mm. And I wonder if the Pochettino link. Is kind of just part of that. Maybe it's leaked out, it's got out that they've made some kind of tentative approach because they're assessing their options. We don't know, but I think it's all part of the dance.
0: I do find it all fascinating though, Vish, because the end of last season, they were the best team in the Premier League, you'd say. They had the best run of form, unbeaten, post-lockdown till the end of the season. So how much can really change between the end of the Premier League season, them getting to the Europa League semi-finals, crashing out in that game, and then coming back like... I don't understand how so much can change in that space of time because this is the same group of players, bar a couple of additions coming. I just don't I don't get how so well, much it's can volatile, change.
2: But it's volatile because Solskjaer's not got a handle on it. I, mean, this, I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Fish, but a while ago you were saying, Man United and Man United, they're going to beat average teams a lot because they've got a lot of good players. And that's going to be enough for them, right? Yeah, it's yeah. when they come under the pressure and, and the way they reacted, particularly in the second half against Spurs, as you've already said. It's, it's very, very indicative of the fact that he's not got a handle on it. You know, people always people say, you know, a blind squirrel will occasionally find a nut, right? <laughs> Solskjaer will find a lot of nuts because he's got a lot of great squirrels helping him find them. But is... We will, uh,
3: this, we will, we will pay good money for that squirrel, will yeah. <laughs> <give laughs>
2: two months. This metaphor's already broken down, but I think you know what I'm <laughs> trying to say.
3: Yeah, I, I think one of um, one of Solskjaer's um, main strengths is that he's a good motivator. He's very personable. And I think that manifests itself in, in two different ways. You'll get players playing for you, but you'll also get players who think, right, we can probably just coast a bit under this. This guy's a nice guy. 100%. Um, and I think with. Uh, They've hired
2: the, the Clive Tilsley commentary from the 99 Champions League final to manage Man United. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, and now United
3: don't always score. <laughs> And Solskjaer has fucked him. That's what I should be saying. (laughs) But the, uh, you know, from a a personal point of view for Solskjaer, he's going to find out a lot about these players because he knows he's. Solskjaer has always been able to um, sleep well at night knowing that he's well liked by these players. And now, over the next couple of weeks, over the next five weeks of these fixtures, he's going to find out if they actually respect
2: him.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. I think I already know the answer, but we'll find out for sure.
0: Yeah. Let's move on and talk about Chrissy Houghton. He's back in management. And uh, I, for one, am absolutely delighted. One of your faves. He is one of my faves. He's an absolute. Lovely fellow, legend. Isn't he? He's honestly one of the nicest people in football you mm. can meet, and I'm I'm not just saying that being a Brighton fan and for everything he did for the club. He genuinely is one of the nicest people you can come across in football, um, and he is now the new Nottingham Forest boss. And mm. you know what? I'm not surprised to see him in this role. He also similarly to what we were just saying about Pochettino after he was sacked from Brighton, I I spoke to him because we come across each other in the same workplace at the Premier League where he's come in to do some media work. And he said to me you know i'm i'm going to wait until there's a job that i really want to take i'm not just going to jump in and take any job and and he'd had offers at that stage when i spoke to him last year and had turned them down so he's been waiting for the right job for him and with nottingham forest he obviously sees that there is there is certainly something that he can achieve with this group of players it's been so interesting to see nottingham forest start to this season because they've played four matches in the league they've lost every single one of those games and couple of those games that you look at, they should have won. Mm. Uh, when you look at the the type of players that they have in comparison to to the teams they've lost to. But also Sabri Lamucci, uh, the previous Nottingham Forest manager, made 12 signings this summer. 12 signings, mm. which is a crazy amount of players to bring in. So it seems as though there was obviously something going on there because the club have allowed him to bring in 12 new players to the club. The, the start to the season has been so poor Obviously, they fell off a cliff at the end of last season, but it really is sliding doors for Nottingham Forest. You know, the matter of one goal last season could have seen them in the playoffs and then who knows what would have happened. Yet they come into this season under the same manager, a whole host of new players, more than a squad full of new players, and they've lost every single game. So I'm not surprised to see LaMucci go, but there is obviously something that Chris Hughton can see that he can work on with this club. And I'm fascinated to see how it goes.
2: Yeah, I think, I think the short answer might well be that Sabri Limucci wasn't <clears throat> in charge of signing those players. I think that's probably part of it. I think it's 13 players as well. Yeah. 13 you know? it's, it's now, is there? Yeah. Well, I missed one. I read yesterday that they've made 70 signings in three years. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. look, I'll come into detail on that in a, in a little bit. But I, I would first of all like to say that this is the biggest job outside the Premier League. I mean, if you look at the size of the club, you look at their history, you look at what they've been trying to do for such a long time now. Uh, and and they are, historically, some people may care more about that than others, but for me, it's important, I think. Historically, they're a, they're a top-level club. They're a top-tier club. So this is the biggest job outside the Premier League, right? Chris Hewitt's record in the Championship is unreal. Mm. Four seasons, I think it is is. Four top four finishes, yep. I think, all the fours. Um, he's got promoted with Newcastle and Brighton, as we know. Um, I think he took Birmingham to the playoffs, didn't he? He's yeah. done an excellent job yeah. in that division um, in the past. But, I mean, before I get into Lamucci, I mean, we should say... You know, that's, it, it's not a magic formula. I mean, you look at what, what managers who've got good reputations have tried to do with Sunderland and not been able to do it. Kenny Jackett's got an amazing reputation of getting teams out of League One, not been able to do it at Portsmouth. I'm under huge pressure there and probably will probably lose his job if I, if I was a betting man. Um, I would say that he'd probably lose his job. So it's not it's not a magic formula. So it's not that Chris is going to be parachuted in and go, right, it's going to be Farmer going to get yeah. to the Premier League. Yeah. Because the club is in such a mess. The recent results have been abysmal. As you alluded to, Lamucci's biggest challenge was getting that group of players to respond after that ridiculous turnaround on the final day of the season. He hasn't been able to do it. They've lost Matty Cash to Aston Villa. Mm. Um, Lewis Graben and Joe Lolly have have gone off a cliff. Um, Giao Carvalho, their record signing, I think has now left the club after being made to train with the reserves for however long it was. Um, There was talk that that wasn't even Lamucci's decision as well. There's been a lot of interference, apparently. They've got so many players that you wonder whether Chris Hewton has got the environment around him to be able to succeed here, but I understand why he's taken the job because, I say, it's it's an absolutely gigantic, gigantic job.
3: I am quite fearful for him in in a lot of ways, a lot of them that um, Luke underlined there, and also that... Um, I saw a stat yesterday that Limucci is the first Nottingham Forest manager since the 2010-11 season to start and finish a season. Yeah. Which is astonishing, really. Um, wow. And also... You know off the back of what you were saying about him being a really nice guy um obviously that that's just his persona and his professional um persona will be a bit more
0: oh god as a coach noticed. no yeah. absolutely as a coach he he gets a lot of respect from his players certainly. but I uh,
3: suppose that that's i mean That's not the issue at Forest, is it? It's um, Maranakis's. You know, there's a story of um, that pre-season Zoom meeting where Mm. he comes on and just lays into the players and lays into the team while the manager's
2: on the court. Yeah, Yeah. Um,
3: and I just think that kind of interference isn't good. And bear in mind, like if we look back to, you know, nine months ago, Forest fans were like, right, this is it. This is we're we're finally getting our time here. They were in the playoff spots from from Christmas, I think, right the way to that last day of the season. Um, yeah. And it just it just kind of fell apart. And it was interesting. I kind of scoured Twitter yesterday and this morning for Forest fans um, and for their opinions. And a lot of them were wishing Limetti well. And even the ones that weren't were like, "God, we're coming back into this spiral now." And that's that's you know no disrespect on Hewton's name, but I think there's an element of "God, here we go again." Um, and I think. If, you, if um, Chris Hewton does see out the season, I think he should probably consider that a success beyond yeah. whatever he's able to do with the side. Well,
2: I, think, I think from Chris Hughton's point of view, and George, you know him better than I do. I've met him a few times. Lovely fella. Um... Clearly, a good coach at that level, obviously, but his first job is going to be working for all those players and finding a team, and 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 also the problem is, you know, you know, with with what's happening with the football league generally, it's very hard to move those players on. You know, I mean, mm. who's going to buy them? You know, it's not easy just to sell them like it perhaps would be a year or so ago. But he's but he's also got a, probably a calculated thing here where he thinks, well, do you know what. Forest have tried to do this for years and they've never been able to do it. And as Vish has already said, it's a shit show there. So am I really going to be blamed if in six months I get fired? Probably won't hurt his reputation. But on the upside, if he can pull it off, he's a legend. And, and Nottingham is an incredible place and the Forest fans are mad for it. Really, really mad. And and I wonder also whether he might get a good start because those fans are also quite demanding. If they're not going to be in the stadium, it might give him a bit of a boost um, to kind of get his work done, a bit of breathing space and, and do it that way. So... On one hand, it's a really, really tough job. On the other hand, you know, is it a free hit? Not quite, but it's in that kind of area.
0: I think, though, that Chris Hewton's a very intelligent man. And like I said already, he's been waiting for the right job. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he wouldn't have taken this role if he hadn't spoken to the board, spoken to the people that run the club and known that there is a group of people there that he can work with and and try and make a success. Chris Hewton hasn't jumped into any job since he was sacked by Brighton, he was linked with
3: because, Bristol City for a while. Yeah, wasn't he was. He, he was Clarkson. linked with Watford as well mm. last year, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. And, okay. and he
0: hasn't jumped into those jobs because there's obviously been something about them that obviously didn't feel quite right for him. He also wants to be a success. He wants to be managing back in the Premier League. He wants to be managing a top flight club, and that's where he should be for the, the quality and the experience he has. So I have no doubt in my mind that he's taken this job because he knows that this is a club that he thinks he can make a success of. What I think is a really positive thing, and you touched on it then, Luke, is that Nottingham Forest have acted pretty quickly on this in terms of the start of the season. I never like to see managers you know, lose their jobs early into a season. But the one positive thing in, in terms of Chris Houghton rather than the Lamucci side of things is that Forest have acted quickly. Chris Hewton now comes in pretty much from the start of the season. He comes in when the the domestic transfer window is still open. So you talk about that movement of players, Luke. Mm. There is going to be possibility that perhaps some players... Who's going to buy him though? Yeah, I know. That is the issue. Mm. But at least he still has this two weeks where there's an international break now. The transfer window is still open. There will be some movement, I imagine, within this squad in some way, whether it's ins or outs. And then it's almost like a fresh start when we come back after the international break for Chris Hewton in this forest side, I think.
2: Yeah. The other thing I didn't mention, which is probably relevant, is that they looked a bit one-dimensional to me as well under Lamucci. They kind of played in this certain way. They weren't really capable of doing much else. And I wonder whether they just got worked out a bit at the start of this season. And Houghton is quite one-dimensional mm. in terms of how he likes to play. Yep. You know, he's not known as a really flexible Kind of coach, I wouldn't have said. Maybe that's a bit unfair on him, but I think that's accurate. I think that's so, fairly.
0: That's. I think that's accurate. You know, that's that's yeah. pretty much so why he eventually went as the Brighton manager. Because yeah. I think they they got a bit fed up of.
2: It's a different challenge in the Premier League when you're totally. in that position, though. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So it's an exciting appointment for Forrest I think they should be excited to 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 have a manager of his pedigree who at that level. Yeah, he doesn't don't need to take our word for it. I mean, he's, he's done the business. He's shown that he can do it. So whether he's got the environment to succeed is another story, but we'll find out. Last
3: I just don't want to see a sad
2: Chris No, I know no, same. me either. Honestly, Fish.
3: He's got the worst sad face. Yeah. yeah. Like Terry
2: Connor. Yeah. I thought oh. you mean, yeah, Terry Connor, He looked, looked haunted after yeah. a while.
0: You oh. know, when he was linked with the Watford job, I had that fear then because I thought, oh God, if he takes this Watford job, yeah. this could end badly. He because because we know what him. happens to Watford managers and... Like you, I don't want to see a,
2: a He wants to Chrissy be imagined though, it. Jules. You can't, you know, a caged bird doesn't sing as sweetly. No, of course He <laughs> wants to be doing what he wants <laughs> no, to be I'm doing. No, I'm glad he's taking that. I bet Chris Hewitt's got a great voice. I, I bet, bet he's got a great singing yeah. voice as well. You yeah. reckon? But Pete yeah. Donson was once so excited about, Newca- about Chris Hewitt and Newcastle, which of course is a club he got promoted, as I mentioned, that he uh, claimed that even Chris Hewitt's hair was going black and white in tribute. <laughs> to the yeah. And that's how much he cared about the club. So he's loved wherever he goes.
0: He <laughs> is. And you know what? Last time Forrest hired a previous Brighton manager... Brian Clough.
2: Oh,
3: there we go. Ooh. Yeah. There so no, no pressure on him whatsoever, no pressure whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. whatsoever yeah. Chrissy Hewitt. Yeah. But
0: I am so pleased to see There'll him There'll be back a statue there. There'll
3: be a statue. <laughs> there Can we put on record though, if Nottingham Forest hurt one hair on that man's head, it yeah. will we'll, be held to yeah. black or white hair. Yeah. 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 Great. He's, got, we'll
2: he's, chase he's him more. Down. He's more graying now. Remember new yeah. that Newcastle. Don't like, have a dig. He's just got a new all job. Right, sorry. He looks lovely. He looks fine. He looks great. He looks very distinguished. And he's
0: always wearing a suit on the sidelines, isn't he? Chrissy H. Top man. Love it. All right, let's take a break. After this, we'll read your emails and talk Gunnasaurus back in a job. (laughs)
4: Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel
2: responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes, to open the door
3: to Amazon. Only we watched with Jesus the 25-minute first, because it was until we uh, left the club.
4: And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself. And I did. I kind of
0: lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me
4: that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
3: This was a Stakhanov production. Hi, I'm Jermaine Defoe and this is the Football Ramble.
2: Oi, oi! Hey, JD! JD. Is he Did he like move in the transfer window? No.
0: Is he still at Rangers? No. I
2: would have to check. You no, know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Vish, never ask questions like that on the show that you don't know the answer to. Hey, yeah, you I knew I Jermaine
0: Defoe was coming up there, Luke. Did I didn't. You, do you make those?
2: I didn't know that, no. Did you not? It's it always a surprise sense. to me as well. Jermaine Defoe still is at Rangers, apparently. Um... But I think Pete makes them.
0: Oh, okay. He's, he's
2: doing it as a deflection tactic because he hasn't done his email jingle yet. <laughs> yeah. keeps, keeps promising, making promises he can't keep on the email front.
0: Speaking of emails, show at footballramble.com. We love hearing from you guys. Robert Peacock has emailed in, Luke, on the subject of things shouted at football matches.
2: Oh, yeah. He says, hi, I'm a semi-pro referee in Scotland. Is that a thing? <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. What is a job, If, if, he, if, he, if he, there was a job you wouldn't want to do, surely it's, <laughs>
3: surely it's that. So
2: I guess he means he gets paid. Because, I mean, I'm not being out of order to Robert and I will get to the the meat of his email in a minute but if you play Sunday League and you get a referee I mean they get paid does yeah. that make them semi-pro referees? Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd, fine. I'd yeah. call
0: myself a semi-pro footballer if I played at that level. I'd call, you, I'd call you a semi-pro
2: broadcaster, Jules.
0: Oh! deep. <laughs> oh, <geez. you> he <laughs> dug deep <laughs> there, Vish. Go on, read the email. Let's I'll, see if you I'm fuck gonna, this
2: up. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to regret that, are At some point, I'm going to regret that. Um, <laughs> Maybe just annunciate <laughs> a bit more. Look up when you speak, Sorry, please. yeah, I will, yeah. So I've, I've not been doing this very long. Um... Robert says the best thing I've had shouted at me during a game happened after I I arrived back from holiday in Spain. After a lovely week in the sun, I had developed a good tan, which clearly looked out of place in the grey Scottish winter. During the game, I awarded a throw in to a team around the halfway line. No big deal, you think, but someone from the crowd in the finest Glaswegian accent shouted, Oh, fuck off, you sunbed twat. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious and personally tailored of an insult. Of course, I didn't feel it was the right time or place to correct him on the authenticity of my tan. All the best, Robert. Now, that is a shame because... He's gone and got that. Um, he's gone and got that tan on holiday. Now, as as someone else once said, you know, I can't take credit for this tan. The sun did most of the work, <laughs> but he has got an authentic one there, and it's not a sunbed one. And so, I feel a little bit sorry for Robert. In I'm situation. jealous.
0: I want someone to shout that at me because it means I'd be really brown. I've I've not got a holiday tan this year, Vish. I'm gutted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's the
3: real
2: uh, victim of this. Pandemic.
3: Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. I realise. I yeah. really am. I need a top up as well. Though. No, <laughs> for me. That. Yeah, you can't really, you can't really argue your case, can you? Like, well, no, no, no. This is this is a genuine
2: town. Pull, pull out your boarding pass. Yeah. Oh, have a look at that, mate. What does that sound It, hey. Eh? <laughs> Booking <laughs> with one hand and boarding pass in the other. Spain, yeah. Malaga yeah <laughs> Malaga oh they scored <laughs> <laughs> concentrate the game Robert for goodness sake um, the, the, um, I think the, the guys will probably cover this in detail tomorrow but I think the, the leader of the Scottish Conservatives is running the line oh I heard in that in the England v Wales yeah, game what's tomorrow. that all about yeah, I don't know. You'll find out tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. Mm. The, the, team, the team will tell you all about it, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, Richard Thomas is also emailed in saying, Hello all, Everton versus Coventry, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Fan shouted to Gordon Strachan, who jumped off his bench to question a tackle. Sit down, Strachan, you Bay City roller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's one for the teenagers. That's even too old for me to remember. I had to Google <laughs> Bay City rollers. Um, what did you find 70s kind of boy like a boy band type thing yeah yeah interesting that stuff
3: about them uh, being the biggest groups since the Beatles according to many born
2: 1821 Gordon Strachan around that time from Edinburgh as well sorry I didn't know that and you're one of the Edinburgh's finest alumni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Ed- Strachan around that time. So that's the that's the year after he retired and became was he player manager or just manager of Coventry? But he had an amazing playing career, Gordon Strachan, and then obviously went on and, and became a promising manager for a while. Never really kind of did an awful lot. I don't think he I don't think he, he won an awful lot as a manager, um, outside of outside of Celtic. But um the one thing that we've always forgotten about Strachan <laughs> is that he is absolutely eviscerated over and over again in Alex Ferguson's first autobiography, where he says, "I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him." And he just goes, he just absolutely goes to town on the poor little fella, and I, I feel quite sorry for him because back in the day, if you remember, he used to do quite good post-match interviews, got yeah, witty, did, yeah. and can I have a quick word with your Gordon Velocity. It's a great, it's a great comeback.
3: Maybe maybe Ferguson meant that as a compliment because Strachan is so small you could throw him quite far and maybe he did trust him a lot but he knew he could throw him further
2: I don't think he did trust him and I think he also would have liked to have thrown him <laughs> basically you
0: don't have any Gordons nowadays do you no Would you I mean, it's would a you... name that's you can't name a extinct. baby Gordon no. why not you?
2: how would you react if you, you went to visit your friend's baby for the first time and they said C- his name was Gordon, is Gordon? <laughs>
0: Do You know what this happened quite recently. Um one of my mates had a baby and texted the WhatsApp group saying everyone like baby girl's arrived and and wrote the name. And the name was Oral. O R A L. <laughs> and then like on side WhatsApp groups everyone was like what? The what? Like they, they called their child Is it, is it, it
2: Opal or something?
0: <laughs> yeah, they spelled it wrong. It's Orla.
2: Hola. Which okay, is a totally
0: right. normal name, but everyone yeah. for a, no that one is, wanted to yeah. say anything. Because you can't dish che- your mate for naming a baby well, what they di-
2: call it, can you? I will dish your mate for this. Go right? on. Check the own name yeah. you've spelt in your WhatsApp
0: well, group to be fair, of your
2: first born child. It's a
0: tiring time, Luke.
2: True, it was actually, a long yeah, labour, so we'll, we'll, we'll let
0: him off. But Fair enough. Yeah, God, yeah, you don't get many baby Gordons, though. I'd quite what? like to see a baby
2: Gordon. If your name is Gordon... Gordy. And you're under the age of 25. <laughs>
3: Actually,
2: I went to uni with a guy called Gordon. How, yeah. how old would he be now? He's, he'd be 34 So now. what have I just said? Under yeah. the age of 25. Right. 34 means he'd have been born in 1986. Yeah. In God. the 80s, people are being called Gordon, aren't they? It's the I 80s. I don't think there's that, there were that many of
3: my generation called Gordon. Although my, one of my best mates is, um, just had a daughter called uh, Winifred.
0: Oh, that's quite cute, Winnie. Yeah, it is,
2: Winnie, yeah. Winnie, yeah. Yeah. that's a lovely. Because right. you get to that point where... Names old, get
0: recycled, Oh, yeah, exactly, don't they?
2: Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you get like an Archie or an Artie. Archie's Archie. a good name, yeah. yeah. Jack, Jack Wilshere's son's called Archie. Oh, well, there you go,
0: yeah. Oh, cute. Yeah. All right, enough about baby He's names. He's not
2: got a <laughs> <got> club either.
0: <laughs> um, no, domestic transfer winner. We talked about it a minute ago with regards to Forest. So it is still open and there's still a few players that have been linked with clubs that could still potentially make a move. October the 16th is when the domestic window closes. So the likes of side. Ben Rama at Brentford, Todd Cantwell at Norwich, Ismaila Saar's been linked with Manchester United, uh, are all being touted. Also, Danny Welbeck, just a couple of days ago, uh, terminated his contract with Watford, yeah. so he could be on the move. How many of these do you think are likely to happen? I mean, I think the Saar to United one's quite interesting, fish because, I mean, we talked about it already. This isn't really where United need to strengthen with a player like Saar, but would you like to see that happen? It's, I don't think that's a good move for Saar.
3: Imagine saying that about a god bloke who's playing the championship. No, no, I
0: don't <laughs>
2: think so he Fish's face there was amazing. No, he's, just, so he's so browbeating in like such a short amount of time.
3: <laughs>
0: he's not going to play. No,
3: no yeah. Because he's too good.
2: good. You're not
3: yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. He could pull a Sanchez, wouldn't he? Bloody hell, yeah. he's clowns. <laughs> Join the
0: circus like, He's here. not going to play. and I think he's Go a, get the piano. He's a decent <laughs> player that should be playing football matches. He could go to a different Premier League I club and right. actually start every game. He shouldn't be going to United and sitting on the bench. I know,
3: but we we don't need him and we like doing that kind of stuff. We're like fucking yeah. demented sparrows picking up <laughs> anything shiny in yeah. our little nest. Isn't that a magpie? Whatever. Do you Where's think, it's, do you think a
2: magpie is a demented sparrow? <laughs> it's a completely different species do of bird. Sparrows don't collect anything. things either. I think it's magpies. Isn't magpies it? Luke's it? pretty good
0: with his animal knowledge. I, th- I'm, 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 I'm not, know I might not. I might be wrong.
2: I might be
3: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you are properly old, aren't you? You like that <laughs> yeah. kind of shit. Bird yeah. spying. And bird
2: spying. You've turned into a twitcher. That's what they're
0: called, twitchers. Yeah. I've got People an RSPB
2: book of birds on my kitchen windowsill. Avian pervert. That's an
0: absolute loser.
3: I think one of the players who no one is talking about who could... Command the move to Premier League side and immediately improve them on a the creativity front is Emi Buendia and Norwich City. Now he's, been, I think yeah. he's been linked to sides in Turkey. Maybe to United Mace?
4: side.
0: Yeah,
3: you know what? He he could do a lot better than United. He he is that good. I think his stats last season he was up there with Kevin De Bruyne in terms of creating chances from open play. He's a brilliant yes. player. I don't know why more player more teams aren't looking at him because if there's one thing teams lack, you know. Side Ben-Rama will obviously improve players. I'm not entirely sure about Todd Canwell. I think he needs a bit of nursing into being properly consistent Premier League standard. Buendia was one of the standout players for Norwich City and I know he signed quite a big deal before their Premier League season so in the summer of 2019 so he might cost a bit more money but I think he's worth for. I think he's he's the best value player in that division in the Championship yeah, right now.
2: And and um... And Daniel Farker was pretty kind of blasé about um, Ben Godfrey leaving for Everton. Yeah, I, I heard an interview with him where he said, "Oh, you know, he leaves with our best wishes. We're really pleased for him." It's like, I'm not sure I really want to be hearing that. I understand the the, the the dynamic at play and the fact that the player wants to achieve in his career, but you could probably dampen that down a little bit and say, look, we're really disappointed as well. So what I'm trying to say is I wonder whether Farker would even stand in his way. Um,
3: well, he said, uh, so uh, Buendia and Canwell haven't been playing the last few games hmm. and he brought back Buendia. He said, I think he had a press conference after the weekend and he said, don't look too much into that. It was just the way that things, the way the cards have fallen. But with Buendia, I think there was a sense that, right, he's going to move on. But he played him because he was like, he's that good. That it'd be foolish for us not to play him. If there's no, there was no issue between the manager and the player,
2: I wonder. If a, I wonder if there's a disconnect between the uh, the uh, uh, the kind of appraisal of some of these Norwich players in the commentary at and exactly how much influence and how good they are. Because I mean, I'm not suggesting that you're you're wrong on this, because I think Wendy is a good player as well. But around the middle of last season, people were talking about how Norwich was so good and their players were so great that if they if they if they got relegated, every single player would be off straight away. And it's kind of not manifested itself really at all.
3: Well, no, I don't think I don't think that was ever going to be the case, though, because part of the understanding was that they were going to play that way and, and be a bit more open. But knowing that they were almost consolidating to go again and have a more sustained period in the championship. Sorry, yeah. in the in the Premier League, having used this championship season to go back up, yeah. uh, that seems to be the understanding. Certainly from Farkas' point of view as well. Hence why he, he was never really under pressure, despite the fact that Norwich were relegated in March. Basically,
2: and, and I know that. Um the guys touched on this kind of briefly yesterday but in in a little bit more depth have you seen the list of free agents that are still available I know know Mario Gertz is probably about to go to PSV based on what I read this morning but there's a lot of good players around I mean Nathaniel Klein Daniel Sturridge Danny Welbeck as you mentioned Wilshire question marks over his fitness fair enough Pato Alex Pato um, Hatem Benafa Fabio Berini Mario Manzukic, Antonio Valencia there's loads of players out EIS there. Yeah, yeah, logo Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Stephen DeFort, John Flanagan, and, and what it does is it shows the kind of fickle fate of football. Oh, right? Well, Flanagan was held out, what were they call him at Liverpool? They calling him the Scottish Cafu or something. Is he even Scottish? I don't know, I might have made that up. <laughs> something about Cafu. Um, two Liverpool. lies in that, isn't there? <laughs> two lies. He's like a demented sparrow. <laughs> Just picking up wingers. Um, but um, there's a lot of point is, there's a lot of players around there, and 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 if you think, particularly when you look at the triumvirate of Daniel. Star is Danny Welbeck and Jack Wilshire. Yeah. These are players who were seen, I don't think it's a stretch to say were seen as key players for England mm. not that long ago. Jack Wilshere was seen as this, this football player in the midfield that you could rest your hopes on. Danny Welbeck performed better for his country than he did for his club. Uh, and, and Daniel Sturridge, I mean, that season at Liverpool alongside Luis Suarez, is a key player for all England. All three of
0: those players have something in common, though. What's that? Injury.
2: Yes, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's an important part of it, obviously. They they, they have really serious injuries. In fact, uh, Pato, Ben Arthur, Barini, those three um, have all had problems with injuries. So, yeah, that does tell some of the story the demands on players at the very highest level are very hard physically. So that's called got something I think, to do with
0: it. I think though that the the positive on that, the fact that they are free agents though, Luke, is is a really good point because I think clubs would maybe look at those players knowing they're injury prone and maybe think, oh, do you know what? I don't want to don't want to buy them because we don't want to spend that money on a player that will probably end up sitting on the bench for quite a few matches during a season. Hmm. But actually as free agents, it does make them that bit more appealing, Vish, doesn't it? I think that especially someone like we like I just, at? I've
2: just checked the job flag and actually got a cap for England. So <laughs> I think he's <it's> got it. <laughs> Sorry, carry on.
0: Um, yeah, no, I think that especially with strikers, every single club can always do with another striker. You look at, United buying Cavani you know it, it's, that's
2: definitely a, it's definitely it's <laughs> definitely a modus operando that, that May United subscribe to for
0: sure
3: I, I think you're getting Dun um, Flanagan confused because he's them. I think at Liverpool it's Flanny Alves
2: oh that's what it is yeah that's what it is what and, Alves and, and, and do you think that, Flanny <laughs> Flanny Alves Flanny a do you think Edward would a, a conversation with the Glazers and talks about strikers and goes "Well, wow, you can never have too many can you, you can never have too many yeah, I love this we need as many as possible toilet paper and strikers <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You can see though that uh, someone like Danny Welbeck probably will get a move in this window being a free agent. Can't see him. Well, not,
2: well not... look, it depends on his wage demands, it depends on the on the on the situation around, yeah, the band finances. But if if a team who is otherwise struggling feels like they could get 15 appearances out of him and five goals, they'll if he's free they're going to make that they're going to make that gamble, right?
3: <laughs> I think Danny Welbeck should go to the MLS. I think Danny Welbeck's time in England certainly the time he wants as a striker as a main striker as as a focal point of the team going forward I think that time has passed
0: You're shipping him off to America
3: yeah because I think he'll enjoy it there I think he will be treated as he deserves to be treated well how's as, that as a jewel as a crown yeah, um, <laughs> uh, a jewel in the crown rather um, yeah I think he, one of the issues of um, that Danny Welbeck found at uh, Watford was that I don't think physically he was able to maintain, a to command a, start, a starting place consistently because they had to work hard. I think Watford brought him with an idea that they were going to be an engaging attacking side as they threatened to be and really kind of come into own as a top-off side. And that just didn't come to fruition. And they were left with basically a mess on their hands where they had these creative players who so they needed to turn into kind of workhorses and that just, that's part of the reason that they are where they are now
2: um, Fish can I just interject just to ask a quick question Conf- confirmation from both of you one way or another is Welbs still that guy, that guy still Welbs. Got, he is well, still, got guy. Okay, okay, still okay. that guy he's still that guy Welbs. but he
3: needs to be he needs to believe that he's that guy now yeah
2: <laughs> and yeah. I don't think he believes it has he still got those hamstrings though <laughs> He has them hamstrings, yeah. Luke,
0: you're too old for this. Let's move on. I know, I'm too old for everything, Jules,
2: but I'm still here, I'm still here. Um,
0: Someone who is no longer departing their club is Gonosaurus. And I'm not the only one who was sad that Jerry Key, uh, the famous mascot at Arsenal, was going to be losing his job. Meza Erzell was obviously gutted by this, and he tweeted yesterday saying, I was so sad that Jerry Key, I think is how you pronounce it, um, AKA our famous and loyal mascot, Gunasaurus, and an integral part of our club was being made redundant after twenty seven years. He was actually one of the what was it, fifty-two members of staff that was being made redundant? Yeah. Um, as such, I'm offering to reimburse Arsenal with the full salary of our big green guy, as long as I'll be an Arsenal player so that Jerry can continue his job that he loves so much. Um, that's quite sweet, two Arsenal,
3: it? Two Arsenal mascots sticking together. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what Ozil is
2: now, isn't it? I, I love Meza Ozil, but come on. The quote the quote, also makes it sound like he believes that Gunnosaurus is like an organic living <laughs> organism, like the big green guy. He doesn't understand it's a <laughs> man oh, in a Trey, in suit. treat him like and, a human. And I've got a rather more cynical take on this, which I'll come to in a oh minute. Oh, God, Luke's I, obviously going to make it. But before I do, <laughs> Go is, on. is Jerry Key, is he Ray Parler's father-in-law? I think he is. Someone mentioned that yesterday. What? Yeah. I think I think. I think really? he might be Ray Palmer's father-in-law, yeah, which is an amazing link. Oh,
0: That's did he? incredible.
3: It? Please tell me he gave away his daughter
2: dressed as Gonosaurus. <gasps> I, I actually I actually know Ray, so I could ask him. That
0: is amazing. I could ask God Ray if text you want. Him, get
2: yeah. on the floor. I, I won't text him now. He you don't won't. really know he, him, do he he you? Won't, he won't reply. <laughs> he, won't, he, won't, <laughs> he won't remember who I am. <laughs> he won't nah, be up there. Nah. <laughs> 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 um, the, the, what I was going to say was you 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 framed that Gunnsaur story you was very fairly there and very um positively. I'm a nice person. I think what's probably happened is Meza Erzel took a phone call from his retained PR company sometime yesterday and said, "What do you think of this idea?" and he said, "It sounds great. How much is it going to cost me?" Yeah, okay, I'll do it.
0: 80 grand apparently.
2: Vish, what do you think? 80 grand a year. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's a lot
0: oh. of money to pay, pay a mascot.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. It's not a lot of money for Mesut Özil, though. No, I think he would. He could drop that and you know move on pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, Am I being too cynical? No, I, I mean I just think it's. It, oh, I just think it's such bullshit. I, don't, I kind of don't really care about it. But I mean, <laughs> but,
0: but, sorry for bringing it up.
3: No, no, you're a broadcaster yeah. now. You have to pretend to care about
2: yeah. stuff. That's how it works.
3: But, but it was just the way <laughs> that like Arsenal started doing semi-serious things in you know, like you know Thomas Partey I like that. You know, good signing. They seem to be building towards the right direction. And then this happens and you're like, just be a normal club for a little bit. Just try and be, you know, try and get rid of, this is not a time for nonsense. People are, you know, the the crux of it is a, a bloke who has lost his job, in, you know, amid all that, is being saved by Meza Ozil, who was one of the players who was openly not taking the pay cut for Arsenal. And I think actually in a way that Meza Ozil's stance back then when he was asked to take a pay cut and refused has... You know, certainly at the time it was, um, you know, he was pilloried for it. But I think
2: given that all the it's cuts... a bit more nuanced that, than what people were saying, was
3: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think given the cuts that have happened, despite the fact that the players took a pay cut, I think it sheds a lot of light on the kind of people that are running Arsenal Football Club. And the fact that Mesut has had to come out and do this, even though it's clearly a massive PR stunt, um, is uh, quite an indication of um, of where the club are at above Arteta. I feel like they've controlled everything from Arteta down and now yeah. you can have more eyes on what's going on up top.
2: I mean, I should say, if we're going to be semi-serious for a moment, that I, I don't think that the two things are mutually exclusive. I don't think Mercer Erzil getting a good PR win and, and and doing something quite clever and someone having their job saved, who is an important part of the culture of the club and is a bit of a, a, bit of a legend, certainly among the online fan base... They can those things can both be true. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean he's not done a good thing. You know, it's not when people say, oh, you know, that giving all that money to charity because you save on the tax. Well, okay, that that is the case probably, but I'm still going to lend money to charity. I mean, it's still there's still an end game here where a lot of people benefit from this. So I, I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a purely cynical move and there's no benefit to it. Of course, I'm not. Um, but what Arsenal need to do, I think, and what what Vish is, is is kind of alluding to, is that the, the top brass at Arsenal should probably look at the optics a bit more of that kind of stuff, particularly announced on the same day that they've they've signed um a player for a you know, huge minutes, amount of money, yeah. a huge amount of money in wages as well. Um so yeah, look, it's it's, it's a fun story. Um good on we for doing it. Uh, but he benefits from it as well. Good for him. So what?
0: I still can't get over Garnosaurus walking his daughter down the aisle.
2: Yeah. Could have happened. in the suit.
0: Yeah, I mean you must have done it. I he th- I think Did God- he
2: do the speech dressed as <laughs> what, what what's
3: Gonnosaurus's voice like? just a well, t-shirt cannon isn't it <laughs> he's fast <laughs> a speech out from a cannon maybe that's how he gave the rings out
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, th- I think take like your baseball cap off a wedding I, I think Carnotaurus <laughs> has been involved in some weddings hasn't he I think like that's because I know people talk about the 80,000 but I think he's kind of a, a year long club ambassador he obviously does a lot of stuff going to children's hospitals and Things like that and um Love you know, that we're kind of talking about notes. him like
0: he's a fictional thing. He's, he's a real man in there.
3: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I know, but but but, but like the I, yeah, I know. Why couldn't they just come, I didn't realize it had to be one person all the way through. Well, yeah,
0: I neither, gonna, actually. What, what, I I always thought mascots swapped. Well, I was going to say that like, earlier, but just, I didn't want to sound too harsh. mascot wherever you wherever you go. Do you I, know I, what I, I mean? was going to say one week like, you're going to and next week you're the West Brom boiler.
2: <laughs> yeah. Freelance was, well, didn't, Freelance yeah. mascots I don't yeah. want to sound too harsh really but I was going to say well couldn't they just get someone else to do it It's a bit cheaper <laughs>
4: <laughs> Do you know what I
2: mean though because if you're going to save money then you, I don't know it's just
0: Apparently there's a, there's like the, the deep dark world of uh, mascots and uh, apparently some clubs used to try and bid for the mascot. You know they do those races? Yeah. Which mascot's the quickest? Cyril the Swan? The, the quickest mascot gets paid the most money. That's what I've heard. Oh, really? I've heard, I've heard that they kind of like bid for the, the quickest. I
2: remember the mascot race over the some steeplechase at some horse racing circuit, course, horse racing course, and um there was kind of a bit of a punch-up between Cyril the Swan and someone else, I think. <laughs> Cyril the Swan's quite
3: leery, though, isn't it? Right.
2: We well, you break, yeah. yeah. break, break your arm. are Yeah. break your arm. Be careful. I would quite
3: like to see someone be really bad at being a mascot I would want, I want to see someone terrible doing Gunnar job like shoot, c- shooting himself in the foot with a t-shirt
0: <laughs> oh, <right.
3: laughs> like getting someone in the eye yeah. or you know just being a bit of a twat there we go there um, we go
0: how can you follow that I don't know we're going to yeah. end now uh, I'm back tomorrow <laughs> uh, I'm going to be here with Jim and Andy has Ray Parler texted you back yet
2: he hasn't um, one thing I would say shout out to Andy Brassel for being the chairman of the Residents Association as I found out yesterday um in the lovely part in the lovely part of London that is Camberwell. Brussels stepped up and been a bit of a community leader. Stop it. So good for him. I'll I want to about him, that tomorrow. Yeah, ask him ask him about tomorrow. I want him to um change his Twitter bio. So the the, mm-hmm. the campaign starts here. <laughs> he could just have European football expert, football ramble, and then chairman of the Residents Association in Camberwell. Oh, he's so clever, isn't he? He is. He could do everything God's
0: sake. Right. Yes. I'll talk to him about that tomorrow. Oh, a, right.
2: a real clever person would have got out of that somehow, but he's so nice. Oh, yeah. That, you know what I mean he's just the nicest bloke in the world well, so he, just, he would probably just volunteer to do it
0: 100% mm. Fish, you alright
3: yeah good because I, I <laughs> kind of thought he'd, he'd make a really good dad wouldn't he Brassel he, is, he a is a dad yeah but like as in like my dad yeah okay <laughs> I'm
2: sure we can let that happen <laughs> you want yeah. to adopt
0: him as your dad
2: yeah, yeah that'd be quite cool yeah he's older than me I was just at least start on him <laughs> he's older than me
0: <laughs> alright Luke say bye goodbye Fish. bye later guys